It was 1987. I was 34 years old. And a Christian rock group named Petra came out with a new... Thank you. Yeah. Came out with a new album. Maybe you don't remember what those are. The front cover, I still remember, was a man holding up a sword. He was defiant. He was strong. He was courageous. And the title of the album was, This Means War. I still remember the first time I saw that. It sent chills up my spine. It was, it was like a word from a different universe, a different perspective on life. Uh, this man holding up a sword, looking to God for strength, and he said, this means war. This means war. Uh, I was confused when I first came to Christ. I, I, I didn't know then, I didn't do now, that the same Jesus that told us to turn the other cheek also, at another point, picked up a whip and drove the money changers out of the temple. See, with Jesus and with Christians, it's not either or. You're not either kind and passive or strong and assertive. You're both, and just at different times. And only the Holy Spirit can tell you which of those tools to use at any particular time. Um, sometimes I'm a peacemaker. Sometimes, everybody, I'm a warrior. And I do that because I love Jesus and things need to be addressed. Um, I think that's the reason we have such an enduring love for this story of David and Goliath. I mean, here's a believer and he has not taken it anymore. You have made fun of his God just one too many times. You have taunted the living God. You have said out there in public there is no God and you guys are fools for worshiping him. You just said it one too many times. And David says, I'm not letting that happen anymore. I am not going to sit here and watch that happen. And so here's a Christian who stands, assertive, strong, unbending. And if you will listen this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit of God has a message for you, for every heart. I believe he's going to say something to you. And I, I'm certain he's been saying something to me through this text. And so when we finish reading this small text, I want you to open a Bible and go to 1 Samuel 17 for a larger text. But let's stand together in reverence for God's Word and let's read. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Before you sit down, I want you to consider, did he, said, did he say, he may give you into my hands? This might work. Nope. He's way past that. In his prayer life, in his discernment of God's will, he said, I'm telling you what's about to happen, my brother. This is turnaround day. Let's be seated and continue to study. 
The day will come when God will call you to fight. I'm going to say that a different way. The day will come when God will call you to fight, and you to fight, and you to fight. Maybe it'll be pornography that you need to finally say, it has stained my conscience too long. It's over. Maybe it's depression. It's emptied you of your hope. Maybe it's selfishness that you've just run your life based on your own dreams and not God's, and you're going to have to fight that selfishness. Maybe it's a sinful tendency that you've had so long, and you always excused it, and you just said, I'm just a human, or that's everybody does this, or what do you expect me to be perfect? But you finally come to the day, and you say, it's over now. I, am, I may not have everything I need, or I may have everything I need, and I'm going to stand starting today. And maybe it's not you who's oppressed. Maybe it's not you at all who's in trouble. Maybe it's somebody else. And so your struggle, your fight is up against uh, your own laziness. You just haven't cared. You just, you, the truth is, you just haven't cared that there are people lost in darkness. You just haven't cared enough to fight your own laziness and face yourself down. So maybe it's not you that's trapped. Maybe it's other people. And deep within your heart, you say, now I can continue to get whipped by this, or I can turn and fight. And God help me, I'm going to. Uh, in the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, Jesus says to Christians, he says, those who overcome, I'll give you a reward. And there's all sorts of different rewards. He says, I, but it's always the same constant is that if you've overcome. It's not for people who lay around and talk about how bad this all is. It's not for people who want to make the point of how hard life is. It's people who have, can look past a giant to a God and say, I am God helping me going to face this. And I believe he will face me. And so Jesus at the end of time says, those people I'll give a reward to. You, you're winners. Jesus used to say, I've overcome the world. You're more than a conqueror. Stop acting like a loser. Stop acting like you don't have the resources. Everything you need for life and godliness has been poured into your life. So stop. Turn around. It's like a dog. If you run from him, he's going to bite you. If you turn around and face him, he's likely not to. So here's the deal. Think God at some point is going to make a warrior out of you. A warrior. And that it's going to be your job to, to face the enemy. You'll need spiritual eyes to do it. Early in this story, look at verse 26. You look at your Bible. We didn't read it today, but 26 of this same story, chapter 17. David spoke to the men who was standing by him saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? It was incomprehensible to David that that would be the final outcome. It was unfathomable to him that you could just let somebody rub the noses into it with all of his disbelief and nobody stands up to him. Um, why, why everybody should unbelievers be bold and believers be looking, running for the hills? Why should unbelievers be making all the statements and unbelievers ducking and running. And so 
this young guy, and who knows how old he is. He, he may be 18. He may not be 18. But he says, this does not make sense to me at all. Why does nobody with faith in a great God stand up to that guy? This afternoon, go home and read 2 Corinthians 4. This afternoon, go read 2 Corinthians 4. And most people, I suspect, won't do that. But if you're searching for God, you will. You are hungry. You'll go and you'll... Paul, he gets, he gets beaten every town he goes into. He goes into a town, they whip him, they stone him, they run him out. They accuse him of all sorts. And he says, you know how I find strength? Because I look at invisible things. And my, does my back hurt? Yeah. Do I have bruises all over my body? Absolutely I do. But to the extent that I can look past that and to an invisible God, this energy just flows back in my life, this spiritual energy, and I can just keep going. And so you want to be a warrior? You're going to need to focus this morning and every day the rest of your life on these realities. The glory of Christ, the power of God, the coming eternity, and the invincibility of the Spirit. You get your mind up on those things, everybody, and you, you'll be surprised how brave you feel. All of a sudden you think, I, I, bring them, bring it, because I have the power of God living inside me. Now, look at me, everybody. I am not giving you a, a, just a suggestion this morning. I am telling you that the scripture calls you to be a warrior. Get up. Get up. The world tells you you're a victim. It all happens to you. Your Savior says, that's baloney. I have overcome the world. I've given you everything you need. I will fill your heart. Fill your heart. The edges with spiritual power. Now get up. And you're going to need spiritual eyes to do that. A warrior has to have history with God. You're going to need some experience here. Watch me. There is no gospel that you can take and you get all this at once. You do not get it that way. I'm always concerned with the it is finished kind of Christianity. As if, as if everything that needed to be done was done at the cross. And I know what those brothers are saying. I know what they're saying. But I think that makes way too little of what happens in a room like this. On a sun, some Sunday morning, you're going to feel the Spirit of God challenge you to a decision. And you're going to say, it's time. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what he's been calling me to do. I'm going to get my life pure. I'm going to face that stuff that's been whipping me. Sooner or later, you're going to be in a room and you're going to say, I'm going to add faith to the call of the Spirit in my life. And so, uh, I, uh, that it is finished Christianity, I think, makes too small of, a, of what's going on here. Um, verse 37, David said, you know, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion. That was one day. From the paw of a bear, that's another day. Uh, go to 28. Eliab, his older brother, heard what he said. And he said, I know your conceit and your wickedness. You just came down here to watch the battle. And I want to say to Eliab, what battle? There ain't anybody fighting. Why in the world would I come watch a battle? It's not happening. But 
what you learn there is David lived in, what, in a home that we would call dysfunctional. As a matter of fact, David says, what did I do now? Because this has just been relentless, the criticism of his brothers in his life. But watch me here, everybody. He does not take that and say, see God how hard my life is? No. He takes a dysfunctional family and he drives it straight to heaven. And out in the wilderness, he says, you know, I'm the these sheep's shepherd. God's my shepherd. And he figures this thing out. So you're going to need some experiences with God. Um, the Bible says... Um, if you're faithful in small things, he'll make you faithful in bigs. Watch this. Do not go looking for a giant. Not today. Instead, go face whatever is right in front of you. Whatever that is. Whether it's pornography or depression or blame, laying blame on everybody else or lack of involvement or lack of empathy. I don't know what it is. Don't go looking for a giant. Just go face with God that problem. And then you're going to start gaining the experience. You're going to see how faithful he is and how he works with you in that. Um, number three, you're going to have to want to win. Look at verse 39. David girded his sword over this armor that Saul had tried to get, gave him and tried to walk. And he, he couldn't even walk. So David said to Saul, I, I can't go with these. I, I have not tested them. Um, maybe if you're Saul, you're satisfied with the appearance of safety. Look at, me, look at me, everybody. There are a lot of Christians, and they play a game where they appear safe. They're not fighting any battles. They're not fighting any battles. They just check their armor all the time. They just make sure they have plenty of armor because they're just ducking and running at every point. And maybe his people are okay with just the appearance of safety. But David, he wants to win. And that's a completely different thing. He says, I can't move in this stuff. This weighs a ton. I lose my speed. I lose my agility. That's because he's thinking like a Christian begins to think. Anybody in here and you would like to be what God calls a successful believer? You don't want to just posture at church. You don't want to just go get your heaven ticket punched every week. You would like to win. Anybody in here? Help me here. Anybody you would really, really like to see the victory of God lived out in your life? In people coming to the Lord and conviction of sin being touching people's lives and people turning their lives to Christ. Anybody? Okay. Then you've got to start making decisions based on... I say to my staff all the time, guys, what will work? Tell me something that will work. Don't tell me what we've done for 87 years. Tell me something that will work, that will lead people to Christ. And um, you want to be a warrior? That's how you begin to think about life. Um, here, here's the deal. If you want to just be safe, which is not, by the way, the same word as saved, but if you just want to be safe, you can play it that way. 
Or you can play it that you would like to know Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the Lord of all life, and you can be his friend. Ready? That's how this goes. A warrior inspires. So you get used to, and this is number four, you get used to being you. Um, David says, and this is an act of faith, I don't think I have to be Saul. I think I have to be me. I don't think I need to somebody else's stuff. I think I just need to use my stuff. When I was in seminary, I had deep insecurities about my preaching. I, um, I, ne- I don't have a very big voice. I've never had a very big voice. voice. I, I don't have a very big presence. So in my seminary years, as I look back on it, I, I was doing my Billy Graham imitation. I would always try to sound like Billy Graham. Well, and that didn't work, and it doesn't. Then I tried to sound like Paul Harvey, and y'all don't even know who Paul Harvey is. And that worked even less. And thank God, at some point, the Spirit of the living God says, No, Don, just be you. Study. Go open that Bible. Let me teach you. And then you use your voice and your personality to do this work. Because, you see, sooner or later, everybody, God made you on purpose. He made you. He didn't make a double of somebody else. He made you. And so part of being a warrior is to say, okay, I'm going to, I will, I'll play my cards. By the way, this is where envy comes in. Anybody in here and you see this spiritual person, you just say, well, gosh, if I was him, I would serve the Lord. I wish I could be him. No. Sooner or later, you got to be you. All your flaws, all your issues. You've got to come home to you and say, I think I will give me. That's the reason Billy Graham, all those years, I'm back to Billy Graham, he would say, just as I am, I come. All of my weirdness, all of my flaws, all of my stuff, I'm going to give you me. Me. That's the way I am. And David, if you're you're going to be a warrior, that's the only way it's going to work. A warrior inspires others. Most of the time, um, this lesson will be learned by an individual. I, can I just tell you a secret? I often preach, not to groups, but I preach, and I don't even know who it is. Somebody in here, you really are hearing me this morning. And you're not hearing me, you're hearing God. God's using me, and it's like he's talking to you. And I never know who you are. Sometimes you identify yourselves later, sometimes you don't. This whole sermon's for you. Because I know that if you will get up and do what you're supposed to do, other people will follow you. They'll be so inspired by that obedience. And so David is this electric man. I mean, he is so magnetic. Um, the, The Bible says Jonathan loved him. He thought, you got to be kidding me. A pure-hearted guy, a, a man who doesn't just play this game, he loves God, he's not ashamed of saying it, and, and Jonathan went like that to him. And so did half the other soldiers in that army. They just were so attracted. But here's why. 
Because David didn't spend that on himself. He would, he would say, the God, and I wish I could put it back up on the, the, the don't, don't bother, but it says, the God of, the, uh, the God of hosts, the God of um, troops, the God of invisible angel armies, and also the God of this army. David is just fascinated by this God. Just fascinated by who he is and all he can do. Everybody, you realize when you pray, you're talking to somebody for whom nothing is hard. He doesn't even know that everything, he just speaks and things happen. So you're talking to a person of an unspeakable power. And so David keeps his eyes on that. And people are just so attracted. He, he, he inspires other people to live that same way. So, uh, where are you this morning in this story? I mean, if God not only made this story happen, but he made it show up in Scripture, certainly there was a, a lesson that he intended us to get. I mean, it's not just about David. This is about us. Are you Israel? You're surrounded by enemies and pretty defeated. And you can tell because there's just very little energy and hope in your life. Are you Israel? Are you Saul? And your past sin has so clouded your conscience and drained the energy out of your life that now you can't do what God's calling you to do. Your past sins are so unresolved and they just drain the energy away and you just sink. So now you're okay posturing, pretending that are you Saul? Are you Saul and you need to hit your knees and say, tell me one more time. I have not done what you asked me to do. I have not done what you said. Help me. Forgive me. By the way, if you want just another study this afternoon, go study Saul and when he's Challenged about his sin and David when he's challenged with his sin in Psalm 51. See, Saul can't ever see anything but Saul. David can't see anything but God. And he says, out of your great mercy, would you forgive me? Would you restore to me the joy of, my, of thy salvation? And sinners will be converted. I will get back in this battle. Or, are you Israel with enemies? Or are you Saul with your unclear conscience? Or are you David? Your eyes are on the invisible. You're experiencing God. You are wanting to win. You are content to be yourself. You are inspiring to others. Um, I will tell you that if you will reach out to God and say, that third one, that's who I want to be, then he has resources to make it happen. He will help you. And so let's pray together. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Uh, a decision service at, at, after preaching is a very Baptist thing. And it's, it's a lovely thing. Because after the time of preaching, there ought to be time for testimony. In the moments that follow, you get to stand up, come before a church, not so much with your words, but your actions, and say, God is at work in my life. It's God. 
like David, I want to be firmly focused on God and what's he, what he's doing, and I want to be in step with him. And Nobody's going to ask you to preach the next sermon, but they, by coming to the front, you say, I, I am hearing him. He is calling me, calling me to be a part of this church, calling me to be a good part of the church, calling me to receive Christ, because I know I am not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ, baptized in his name, calling me to purity and repentance and prayer, calling me to courage. I, you know, it's an infinite God. He can call you to so many different things. But at what point are you supposed to say, I hear him, I will do what he's asking. I will live in conformity with his call. How good you've been, just unspeakably good. How patient, all my running around, all my fickleness, all my um, harsh criticisms of others when I wouldn't even face me and what I was doing. How good you've been, Lord Jesus. How true to your word that if I would confess my sins, you'd, you'd be faithful. You had a way. So today, as your spirit deals with us, would you be clear what you want in every life? If it's just one, I praise you. If it's a hundred, I praise you. That's your business, not mine. But you speak to us as to what we must do to get back in this fight. And um, be ready. A warrior sits, who's prepared to have you say, well done. Speak, Lord. That's all we ask. Your heads are bowed.